Welcome to the latest edition of Vegan World. Now, what would you do if someone offered you a million dollars just to go vegan for a period of time? And that one million dollars would go to your favorite charity and favorite causes. That's the type of question that my guest today, Naomi Hallam from Million Dollar Vegan, has put to quite a few world leaders over the last couple of years, and will continue to do so this year as well. Million Dollar Vegan is a global non-profit organization dedicated to educating people about the environmental, ethical, personal and public health benefits of adopting a plant-based lifestyle. You can find more about their work at milliondollarvegan.com. So, on with the show. So, hello and welcome to Vegan World to Naomi Hallam. Naomi, as the CEO of Million Dollar Vegan, how did you get, first of all, get involved in Million Dollar Vegan and what exactly is Million Dollar Vegan? Um, Hi. So uh, Million Dollar Vegan is an educational organization primarily. We educate people about the many benefits of adopting a vegan or plant-based diet and um, kind of the many detriments of the animal agriculture industry. Um, I got involved, uh, you know, because I was vegan, because I'd learned a lot of things about um, the impact that my diet had. Uh, I was really, you know, shocked to discover um, how much impact, you know, not eating vegan has on the environment, as well as on our health, on pandemic risk, and on the animals themselves. Um, And the more I learned, the more I felt it was really, really important that other people had this information as well, so that they could make more educated decisions about what they put on their plates. Um, And that if they wanted to, you know, help create a better world going forward for their children, for animals um, and for themselves, and that they had a lot of power to do that by making uh, different food choices. So that's really why I got into the vegan industry. Um, joined the vegan movement and why I wanted to be a part of Million Dollar Vegan, just really wanting to educate people and give people the knowledge that I had so that they could hopefully make better choices for themselves and others. And I know Million Dollar Vegan has thrown out a few challenges to certain individuals in the past, notably yes. uh, a lot of interest in Pope Francis was, was actually mm-hmm. challenged last year or maybe the year before. Can you talk to us about those challenges? Yeah, so Million Dollar Vegan is quite a young organization when we actually launched with the Challenge to the Pope in um, early 2019. Uh, we wanted to choose a world leader who had a lot of influence also somebody that cared about the things that diet can impact. So Pope Francis um, is somebody known for always talking about climate change and trying to do what we can to create a kinder, more sustainable world um, that will give, you know, our children a safer place to grow up in. Uh, And um, diet is the most impactful way that we can combat climate change. Lots of scientists have come together and and, and done the research and found that, you know, giving up meat and dairy is the single biggest thing that we can do um, to reduce our environmental footprint on the planet and, and to try and halt climate change. So we thought, well, who better to ask than the leader of the Catholic Church to um, walk the walk uh, and give up uh, animal products for Lent and help us to combat climate change. So we launched our Fight, Di- uh, Fight Climate Change with Diet Change campaign, uh, we offered a million dollars to the charity of Pope Francis's choice if he would give up meat and dairy for Lent. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's kind of, we got a lot of celebrity backing behind that. You know, we had Paul McCartney supporting us and Woody House and Joaquin Phoenix, and it really took off. And people were very interested to see if, if you know, this, this great world leader who cares about the planet would actually, would actually walk the walk, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
we weren't actually expecting a response. We were mostly just hoping to get a really uh, big platform for our message and to educate the world about, uh, you know, the impact that our diets have on climate change. We did that. Um, we managed to get headlines in uh, over 700 uh, publications in over 150 countries. Um, you know, we made uh, big news channels and uh, we were, had a full page in the New York Times. So it really did have a, an impact, uh, didn't have the desired impact on the, the Pope that we'd hoped, but he did, you know, he did respond to us. He did uh, meet with our ambassador, Genesis Butler in the Vatican, uh, and he did uh, send us his blessing. But unfortunately, his love of beef tacos, uh, I think, outweighs his love of the planet. So okay. it's disappointing. That is disappointing. That's, <laughs> it that's is. Not, not good at all. So what yeah. are you planning? Are you planning something similar this year then? Um, we, I mean, we were planning to challenge a world leader or, you know, just somebody big and influential every year. Uh, last year, because of the pandemic, we felt it wasn't the right time to do that. So sure. instead, we challenged ourselves to donate a million plant-based meals to frontline workers and marginalized communities around the world. Um, so we're kind of still amidst that campaign. That is a campaign, uh, a three-pronged campaign, where we are trying to take pandemics off the menu by putting more plant-based meals on it. Um, by doing that, we can educate people about the links between uh, industrial farming and pandemic risk. Um, uh, and we can uh, show people how they can, you know, boost their immunity to these sorts of diseases through plant-based diet. We're also supporting vegan restaurants by buying the meals from them during a time when, you know, they've really suffered as well. And we're taking the food to people that maybe haven't tried plant-based food before and showing them how delicious and accessible it is and hoping that by having one taste, they'll be hooked and they'll eat more foods like that. Um, so that's kind of the, the campaign we're in the midst of at the moment. We've delivered um, close to 400,000 meals to date across about 16 countries. Um, and once we've completed that challenge, hopefully by the end of this year, um, we're looking to challenge uh, another very influential person to go vegan um, for a reason that they care about as well as a reason that everyone else should care about too. I can think of a shade that's sprang to mind. Well, I'll talk about that. <laughs> um, people often say there's usually three main aspects to going vegan, Naomi. Uh, obviously, the animal rights being the most obvious part of it, but also their own individual health. Right. And as we're hearing more and more about, which you've already touched on, about the climate. Now, as an organization, do you speak to one or all of those, or is it a collective approach? Or how do you guys go about that? Um, you know, there's, there's data to show that different approaches work. Um, so we're kind of very aware that everybody cares about different things and that some people care about more than one thing, right? So, um, you know, most at the, at the moment, most people come into our website because they want to get healthier and they want to do that through food. Um, but also we found out through research that people who stay vegan, they do it for combined reasons. Um, usually they go into it for one reason, but they stick with it because they find that they care about other stuff too. Um, so for example, you know, I went vegetarian when I was a kid because I loved animals. Um, what first made me want to give up eggs and dairy as well was realizing the impact they had on the climate after watching the documentary Cowspiracy. But what keeps me vegan? Well, it's it's the animals, it's the planet, and it's my health. So, um, so yeah, we, we explore those big three. And we've added a fourth this year, which is how um, 
eating meat and dairy ties into the risk of pandemics that we face. You know, three in four of all infectious diseases that have been transmitted to humans have come from animals or animal products. And the biggest, uh, the biggest risk that we have in our world of, of dealing with another pandemic is going to be coming from factory farms. Um, we know that pandemics can come from wet markets because you have unhealthy animals crammed together in, in small places and, and there's, you know, it's a breeding ground for disease. But you have that in an amplified form in a factory farm. So um, we really need to look inward a little bit more if we want to prevent this situation from happening again and address our own dangerous food systems in our own countries. So yeah, right now we're, we're putting that message out there for people that want to prevent this pandemic from happening again or a worse one. Uh, we're putting a health message out there for people who um, need to transform their health. Uh, some people, you know, need to save their own lives and a plant-based diet is an effective way to reverse many of our biggest killers like heart disease and stroke and diabetes. Um, and then there are, you know, still plenty of people out there that care a lot about the animals, they care a lot about sea life, uh, and they care a lot about um, uh, trying to safeguard the planet for future generations. So, yeah, we're putting all those messages out in more or less equal measure um, on a weekly basis and getting different responses to those uh, based on who they reach. You segue perfectly into my next question, Naomi, because in terms of th that information you know, that you're, you're putting out in the public sphere, um, and I can see the dollarvegan.com on the website, you've got a great video on there entitled, as you said, Take Pandemics Off the Menu. Uh, it's quite powerful as well, actually. Um, but in terms of the responses that you've got to the message that you're putting out there, have you, how, what have you found that the research has given you with regards to that? Is it, has there been any pushback, for example, or has it been mainly favourable? It's actually been, um, yeah, it's been one of really shock for most people that they didn't know this stuff sooner. Even for myself, who's very well educated on the benefits of the vegan diet and the kind of dangers of, of the animal agriculture industry, I wasn't aware how many diseases in our history have come from animals and animal products and our exploitation of animals. Um, so I did a lot of learning. You know, one of the first things I did when the pandemic broke out was to read um, Bird Flu, A Virus of Our Own Hatching by Dr. Michael Greger. And it blew me away. I was like, why do I not know this stuff? Why does the general public not know this stuff? Why do they not realize that there's a huge threat to us created by factory farms? And why is the government trying to cover up this threat so that they can make money at the expense of our health and our livelihoods? And, you know, in the case of this last pandemic, so many lives as well have been lost and uh, that maybe didn't have to be. So, um, you know, I think people have been mostly appreciative of, of finding out um, that, that these risks don't just come from wild animals in far off countries. They come from home as well. You know, if you think about uh, bird flu and swine flu and mad cow disease, um, you know, if, if, if those diseases jump to humans, you're looking at a pandemic um, that could wipe out half the planet in a number of months because they're highly dangerous diseases, much more dangerous than COVID-19. Um, COVID-19, for example, has a mortality rate of between 1% and 3%. If bird flu jumps to humans, you're looking at a mortality rate of around 60%. That's more than half the people that get it would die. Um, and, and for every 100 birds we pack into a dirty factory farm, we have a perfect breeding ground for these 
antibiotic resistant diseases. And we're doing it left, right and center in factory farms. 99% um, of the animals we consume in America at the moment come from factory farms. At the moment in the UK, that's around 87% and growing. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that factory farms um, are, <laughs> are everywhere uh, because they don't see them, but they're, you know, they're just well hidden. And that at any moment, um, uh, potentially very soon, a, a very dangerous pandemic could spring from one of them, and it could affect us all in a very, very serious, a very serious way. So I think people uh, appreciate that message. I've appreciated seeing information about this in in mainstream newspapers like the Guardian, the Times. Um, we've seen a lot of writings from. Professor Aaron Gross and the author uh, Jonathan Safran Foer um, in the newspapers. And I think those writings are very important and, and they convey that, you know, uh, pandemics are not just bad luck. They're the result of our exploitation of animals and the only way to protect ourselves from them in the future is to stop, stop this behavior because when we harm nature, ultimately we harm ourselves. I think that's a fascinating point, actually, and it seems to be a recurring theme the more of these interviews that I do, Naomi, because as you're talking about the information that, you know, you're absorbing and the organization is absorbing and we as, you know, vegans and animal rights campaigners absorb around the world. There's also obviously, frustratingly, disinformation out there, which you were touching on as well, and that can be infuriating to put it politely uh, mm -hmm. when you're trying to tackle that but also tackle people's you know misconceptions about what even veganism is for example so mm -hmm. on your website there's a section about vegan myths and you and I were just chatting at the beginning before we started recording about you know the fact we would have been vegetarian back in the day um, before you know transitioning over to a vegan lifestyle because we didn't think there was anything wrong with dairy and eggs. You know, these cows willingly gave us their milk and, you know, uh, and uh, chickens uh, willingly gave away their eggs, you know, without, you know, fully understanding what the consequences of it, of it was. In terms of the vegan myths, talk to me ab about that section uh, within your website and what you, you would commonly come across as uh, some of the biggest myths about veganism. <laughs> well, it's only you should ask me about that because we've just actually filmed a whole debunk series with um, Dr. Kim Williams. Uh, he's the head of cardiology at Rush University Hospital here in Chicago. And um, he, he said he's sick and tired of hearing all these myths about um, how veganism is bad for your health and how meat and dairy and eggs are essential um, for optimum health. And, you know, he wanted to deal with some of the questions that we get on a daily basis or some of the comments we get from, um, you know, people that don't understand or don't know have been miseducated, right? Which you, I'm sure you were growing up. I certainly was. Um, I believed we could only get protein from animals or, you know, that the protein from animals was superior in some way to other forms of protein. And so, you know, you needed it. Um, I, you know, I thought that you could only get calcium from milk um, I thought that if you didn't milk a cow, it would die. So we were doing it a favor. I thought, you know, chickens just made eggs, probably just for us to eat. You know, I really didn't know any of this stuff. And, and most of the world still doesn't know that, um, you know, cows make milk for the same reason any female makes milk and it's to feed her young and she won't make milk unless she's pregnant. Um, so in order to get milk, you know, we're forcibly impregnating a cow. And then when she gives birth, we're taking away her baby. 
and we're slaughtering it for veal in many cases. We're sometimes just having it shot on site because it's a byproduct in many cases, or, or we're separating it and feeding it milk replacers so that we can uh, grow it up and turn it into a milk machine itself. So um, this is just kind of a simple thing I deal with every day, you know, that cows need to be milked. We need milk for our health. Um, you know, if we, if we didn't slaughter these cows, they would take over the world. Uh, that sort of comment. Um, Sorry, I'm laughing, but yeah. <laughs> You've heard it, right? It sounds yeah. ludicrous, but people, people say that. Like they say, what you know, if everyone went vegan tomorrow, what would we do with those animals? They would just take over the world. They would, or they, you know, they would just die because we weren't looking after them. Um, people don't realize that, uh, you know, we forcibly breed these animals into existence by the billion so that the moment they reach their maximum weight, which is, you know, I mean, with pigs, it might be between two to four months old. With chickens, it's a matter of weeks. Uh, with the cow, it's maybe between 12 and 18 months. Uh, so whether you're raising that cow to give you milk, at some point you're going to sell it off and it's going to become beef. So every animal we breed into existence, we kill while it's still in its infancy. Um, and we do that not because we need animal products for our health, but because we believe the myth that we need them for our health and because we like the taste. And I think it's really important to debunk those myths about health because when people realize you don't need animal products for calcium or protein or omegas, that you can get those same nutrients in plant-based form, and that you can get actually every nutrient you get from an animal in plant form, um, pretty much, other than B12, which, you know, uh, most animals are injected with today, and that's the only reason people are getting them through the animals. Once people realize that, there's, there's not really an ethical argument for eating animals. If you don't eat them for your health, why are you, why are you eating them? And if your only answer is because I like the taste, then you have to ask yourself the question, and a lot of people will also say to me, so you think animals are more important than humans? And I have to say, you know, that's not the question. The question is, do you think a sandwich is more important than the life of an animal? That mm -hmm. is the question you need to ask yourself once you have the knowledge to know that we don't need them um, for our health. And so, <laughs> yes. Very well put. Um, <laughs> do you see a a growth in the vegan movement i mean i know that the stats are you know from the vegan society over here in the uk would suggest that it's you know gone up t 10 times in the last three years because mm -hmm. i think that a 2016 they had a, a you know a survey that said it was um, around 600,000 vegans in, in the uk which even then i thought was a bit on the low side and uh, mm -hmm. the latest ones that are coming out is saying you know it, it's around about eight to nine percent of the population or people who would identify, you know, with a plant-based lifestyle or who would uh, yeah. largely have one. Um, are you seeing that with your campaigns and seeing it around the world and where you're based in the US, Naomi, do you see a, a rise in the growth of veganism? I do, I do. I think uh, I think generally um, in the last sort of, I think, five to seven years, there's been a 600% increase in the number of vegans. Wow. Uh, I certainly know that, most people, you know, 10 years ago didn't know what a vegan was necessarily. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, everyone's familiar with the word. The word veganuary in the UK is, it's, you know, it's a household name. I think it's even going in the dictionary in the <laughs> next edition. Uh, you know, almost everywhere is participating in a veganuary menu in January. 
Um, Plant-based foods are available everywhere now. I mean, you can get an impossible Whopper at Burger King. McDonald's is bringing out a McPlant range. KFC have got to be on chicken bucket. I mean, these companies that never wanted anything to do with veganism and what it represented are now, you know, they now want to be part of the action because it's, it's a fast-growing movement and it's a sustainable way of eating and we just can't carry on the way we're doing forever. And I think as people realize that, um, either willingly or reluctantly, they're starting to make the shift. Um, the real problem is <laughs> that we face is no matter how many people go vegan, we're growing our global population at a faster rate than ever before. So um, uh, the challenge at the moment is that for every 10 new vegans that come into the world, you know, there's maybe 100 new people born who are eating meat. Uh, so I think it's really important that plant-based foods become cheaper, more available. Um, it would be great, I think, if uh, cellular meat took off. Mm -hmm. I think we need, we need a way to feed people what they want um, in a convenient and affordable and healthy way. Um, and I think we're going to have more success converting people to plant-based foods if we can do that. Um, than we are maybe just trying to change hearts and minds, although I think all of it's important in the move forward. Yeah. In terms of those, the catch-up almost, um, you touched on cellular meat there. Um, at the previous episode of this podcast, I had Paul Shapiro on. Um, we were chatting through that, you know, from his book, Clean Meat. Um, and he made exactly the same point that you're discussing there about how, you know, as much as, you know, we can, you know, 10 vegans come along and then there's 100 extra uh, meat eaters that are born into the world. Uh, it's interesting, the economic argument as well, where the likes of KFC, Burger King, McDonald's, all the rest of them are creating, you know, a vegan or a plant-based uh, menu for those who want it. And they're seeing huge growth in that. But also uh, a lot of the the big uh, meat producers around the world, like Cargill Foods and Tyson Foods, have actually bought into a lot of these companies like Memphis Meats who are creating uh, the cellular-based meat as well. Uh, I don't know if they think they're hedging their bets, but, I mean, I think they can see the potential for the growth of it. It is absolutely massive going forward. That could actually be the, the <laughs> salvation in all of this, you know. That it, it really could because, I mean, you, you know, we're building more and more factory farms and crowing more and more animals into them. Or, and, we, you know, at the moment we're trying to... Uh, kill animals at a faster rate even than we currently do, which uh, I really cannot imagine it even being possible. That That's what uh, we feel we need to do to meet demand, right? So there's going to be a point where we cannot build any more factory farms. There's not enough land, right, to graze all these beef cattle. Um, we cannot get the kill line to move any faster. And when that point comes, what are all of these meat companies going to do? Mm. They're going to have to create meat some other way. And um, so when they realize that, you know, animal farming is not sustainable for a growing population, they will need to turn to something else. And I think, yeah, cellular meat is, is the answer that they will need to that puzzle. And um, hopefully it will be ready for them. And at that point, if we can grow meat without abusing an animal, um, then hopefully... Uh, as Winston Churchill once said, farming animals will become obsolete. Let's hope so. I could with that for, for sure. Last question for you, Naomi. Sorry, I, I've uh, bent your ear a little bit longer than I had meant to today, so apologies for that. Um, what's next for Million Dollar Vegan? And if people listening to this want to get involved with it or want to help with it, how can they do that? 
Um, well, you know, we're going to challenge somebody very big uh, to go vegan. We're hoping to do that towards the end of this year. Um, and then another challenge again next year. So that's stuff we're kind of in the planning for. So please stay tuned for that. It's going to be fun. Um, and uh, if people want to follow what we're doing or support what we're doing, uh, they can do that on social media. We're on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, and we really appreciate it when people come and share our content with their friends and family because that helps to plant seeds and educate others, um, hopefully towards making a kind of more sustainable choices. Um, if you're somebody that's thinking about trying out a vegan diet, then uh, we have everything you need to support you in your journey on doing that. Just come to our website, sign up, and we'll send you daily recipes and guidance and support videos um, to help you on that journey. And I often think that when I'm saying all of this, people are like, oh, you know, I'd like to go vegan, but it's, it's too difficult or I just couldn't or, I mean, everybody thinks that before they try it. It's not as hard as anyone imagines it will be. I mean, I thoroughly regret I didn't try sooner. I was just, I was just scared, right? Mm -hmm. So we say try it. And if you don't think you can challenge yourself to go vegan for a month how about challenging yourself to go vegan one day a week and see how that goes and learn to cook some different meals and then try and build it up from there just give it a try you know nobody's perfect not even vegans um so don't be afraid of of not being able to do it completely just try and do a little bit and, and see how it goes that's absolutely fantastic thank you very much for your time today naomi i really appreciate that and good luck with the campaigns going yeah. forward thank you so much that's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. Um, if you want to get involved, then go to milliondollarvegan.com. There's a load of information on not just vegan diets, but also lifestyle, uh, the benefits for your health, for the environment. And as Naomi said during the course of the interview, taking pandemics off the menu. So that's it for this week. I'll be back in a couple of weeks time with another interview. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. Bye for now.